to relax some of y'all. Some of y'all had never really relaxed, so maybe that little bit of laughter kind of relaxed you a little bit. I've enjoyed the service thus far. You've got great music. I, I guess if somebody sang that key in the back around here, you followed it real good. I've got to hand it to you. Most places I go, I, I looked at the organ and I said, give me B flat, and she just busted out laughing. <laughs> she didn't know where any B flat was on the organ. I said, honey, what are you doing on that organ, you know? And uh, thank God for good music. I love your music around here. Amen. You, you, you got much to be thankful for. Uh, if you travel me a while, you, you, you want to go back home. Uh, our church has got great music, and I guess I'm spoiled. And my wife plays organ and does a fantastic job, and my daughter plays piano. Well, chapter 2, verse 9. This is my water here, my brother. All right, thank you. Now, it's 20 minutes after 8 o'clock. What, what time y'all going to turn out of here? I, I don't want to get too long-winded. I can preach short sermons, and I have been known to preach some, some, um, some long play albums. Amen. Some, some long ones. So uh, I'll just, I'll try to be through by 9 o'clock, if at all possible, in case some of y'all may have to take a pill or something, though. You don't have to get out of here in a hurry. But um, um, if not, well, if I don't get through it quite at 9 o'clock, hang with me, okay? And then I might get through full this. Don't ever know. Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, that your terror is fallen upon us, that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we'd heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, you will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers, brethren, and my sisters, and all that they have, deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our lives for yours, if you utter not this our business. And it shall be that when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then the Bible goes on to tell how she let them down out of a window with a, a cord. And uh, told them where to go and to hide for three days. Then the men said to her, verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread or rope in the window which thou didst let us down by. Thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, thy brothers, and all of thy father's household home unto thee. Notice that. She asked that they would have mercy on her father's household. In return, 
the men told her, make sure your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, everything that you've got that are kin to you are at your house when we come back. Everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to preach just for a little while this subject, come to my house. Come to my house. Let's give the Lord a good hand, everybody. I love for people to come to my house. Uh, I don't have a mansion, but I'm, I'm very thankful for what I have. I moved to Columbia, Mississippi uh, five years ago. We rented a house. I was pastoring in Louisiana, and I resigned and started evangelizing. I'm fixing to start into the six-year evangelizing now. And uh, we rented, and then we was able to purchase a five-bedroom house, double-car port, beautiful column posts on the front, screened-in ports, 10 acres of land along with it, and a big pond, and uh, got it for a real good price. We prayed, and I feel like the Lord just arranged it where we get it. And uh, I, I love for people to come. Of course, with eight children, you already got a household, already got a house full. But uh, generally on Sunday, if, if I'm home, generally when I'm home, most generally there's some more people that generally come over. My wife is a great cook. She loves to cook. And uh, she cooks plenty because I told her to. I want her to, uh, when I have guests come, I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to know they're at my house. And, and uh my furniture may not be the, the brand name of the world, but it's comfortable. When you sit down, you sometimes wonder if you're going to stop, but uh, uh, you're comfortable. And uh, I want uh, my guests to be offered uh, any kind of a soda pop, you know, tea, milk, uh, whatever, you know. I want them to be comfortable. I don't want no, no feelings in my house to where that people come, they can feel it. But I want a comfortable atmosphere there. And I, I'm sure you can relate to what I'm talking about. Uh, that there are times that kids get to arguing and get to fussing and slamming doors. And, and, uh, and mama, he touched me on the shoulder. They scrubbed me coming down the hall. I, I just don't tolerate stuff like that. Um, I, I, they know that I... I use beltology on them, and um, I, I don't talkology, I beltology, and, and uh, sometimes my wife would call me and said, well, when you get home, you've you got about three of them lined up to give them some good ones, and uh, sometimes I hate to do it, but uh, I, I want my house to have an atmosphere where uh, everybody's comfortable. I don't like this jawing, and, and, and I know there does come times we have disagreements, wife and I have disagreements, but... Uh, I, I try to make sure that before the sun sets that, uh, that um, there's no ill will there. And I heard one preacher say that they they never did go to bed arguing, so they've burned the oil all night long, you know. But um, um, set up all night rather than go to bed, you know, for one, one of them would say, I'm sorry. But when you come to my house, I want you to feel comfortable. I got an aunt that when you go to her house, you got to pull your shoes off to go in her house. 
it's been a while since I've been there. I just, uh, I don't feel comfortable pulling my shoes off now. After I get inside and you say, pull your shoes off, make yourself comfortable, that's fine. But don't stand at the door and say, pull your shoes off, you're going to get my floor dirty. Now, I'm on edge right there. I, I went one place and I picked up the salt shaker and salted my food and set it down. She picked it up and wiped it off. Well, dear Lord, what I got on my hands, you know. Uh, I got AIDS and I don't know it. Somebody told her something about me, you know. And, and I, I want them to feel comfortable. This woman tried to make these men feel comfortable. Now, the Bible labels her as a harlot. But uh, I, I see something beyond that. I don't believe this woman uh, had these men at her home just for the sport of it, just for the fact that she was going to entertain them. I believe, and, I, and, and by what she said here, God give her a divine revelation of some events that was fixing to transpire or fixing to happen just a few hours ahead. And this woman, all of a sudden, uh, developed a, a curiosity, uh, developed a, uh, a questionable attitude as to uh, what should she do to secure her household and her family. And uh, and she warned those men to know they were welcome in her home. My wife uh, here a while back, um, I, 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 we go so many places. When I first started evangelizing several years ago, I tried to evangelize with six of the kids. Two of them was married, and I had a motor home, 22 foot long, and with six kids, a friend of mine, you prayed through every day whether you wanted to or not. And uh, it, it was just murder. Churches just wasn't set up for a man to evangelize with six kids. We pulled up one place and the pastor's wife said, I hate cooking, I hate cooking, I hate cooking. And she never cooked the whole time we was there. And of course my wife, when she heard that, she said, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's don't even stay, you know. And we go places, we went places and, and, and they'd, they'd open one can of English peas, one can of corn, and fried one chicken with six kids sitting at the table. All of a sudden, I, I, I develop a, 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 something inside of me that hates chicken. I, and so I, uh, <laughs> even though I love it, I look at my kids and I give them the high sign, GE, which means go easy. And, uh, but I told my wife, uh, we was going to have some company over. I said, I want you to cook plenty. She fried six chickens. You know these big old stainless steel bowls you get Walmart like that? She fixed one of them things full, almost full of macaroni and cheese. You just get over it and swim in it. It was so good. And, uh, and, uh, and a big old thing of banana pudding and, uh, and uh, peas and butter beans and two big old pones of cornbread. I, I won't be long because I'm hungry. I tell you, we're going to have to hurry up and get out of here. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that biscuit I ate some more is done run out <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and iced tea and, and uh, a big green salad and I, I never did like to reach on that platter to get a piece of chicken and see about four or five more forks aimed at that same piece I'm looking at so I told my wife I said make sure there's plenty 
And, and some people say, well, now you sound like a glutton. No, you don't worry about my family. They, they, hey, they love leftovers. They go back and they'll devour it. And, and believe you, my friend, before that day was over, with every bit of that chicken was gone. Um, and they, we, we're very healthy people. We just love to eat. And, uh, that's the way we are. And I can't help it. I'm just a, I'm a connoisseur of eating. And I, I love to eat. And, and so when you come to my house, I want you to know I've got something on the table for you. Now, now, why I'm saying that, I'm drawing a conclusion here, drawing a, a parallel line here. I believe when we come to the house of God, we need to have something to offer to our visitors. Hello? I, I, I walk in some churches and some people look at me, well, dear God, where'd that pastor get him from? And, and I, I went in churches and I've sat down. I, here, here not long ago, several weeks ago, walked in place and two boys walked up and said, you got our seat. We sat there. It's strange how people, after they get to come to church a little while, they put up real estate signs at the end of their pews. Hello. <laughs> you, you just let somebody come in and get your seat and see if you can get in the service. Now, I don't know. I didn't look at none of these pews. Um, and th there's nothing wrong with these little brass tags they put on, put on these pews. And a lot of churches I go and you know, this pew was donated by so-and-so and so-and-so. Th that's good in one, one uh, sense of the word. But in another sense, it, it, it gives people a, a junk claim. <laughs> they, they think that if I donate that pew, I sit on that pew, my family sits on that pew, and you get off of my pew. Hello now. I, I, I was preaching revival in church in Illinois and on Sunday morning and 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 Lord have mercy. The third week they had seventy-five first time visitors. It wasn't because it was Charles Bourne, because I, I I'm a nobody. I, I I'm not the high tech. I'm not one of these guys that throws all over the microphone. You know and I'll tell you how much change you got in your pocket. I I don't operate like that. I, I just preach the word of God and and uh, hope that I can preach you on a conviction. Pray that I preach you on a conviction and, and stir your heart up. Amen. God has used me to call people out. I, I've done that before. I've done that a long time before. Some of these other high-tech fellows that's been doing this stuff, you know, is doing it now. But uh, uh, th this lady come in on Sunday morning. Her pew was full of, of rank sinners. First time to be there. She walked up to that pew. She said, y'all got my pew. Just out loud, you know. Here she come up on the platform. I'm sitting beside the pastor. I thought, oh, God, what's fixing to happen now? And she said, pastor, they got my pew. He said, sis, come with me to the office. I don't know what he said to her in the office. But he come out in a few minutes and he took a Samsonite folding chair and set it right by the back door back there. And he said, now you sit down here and be quiet. Through my whole sermon, this is the God's truth. That woman, she cried and snuffed. And on that pew is whoremongers, harlots, dope addicts. She's back there crying about her pew. 
<laughs> now I saw is either three or four get the Holy Ghost on that pew. Thank God for it. So somebody said, come to my house. Hallelujah. And come on, Hutchinson. If we can get somebody to come to our house, there's no telling what now would have happened. If we can get excited, the meal around our house is always exciting. I went to some places and you, you, you can't even say a word. You just, you know, pick up your fork and take your bite and chew 36 times and swallow. But, but my God, I, I want to I have that boarding house reach. I, I, I want to put my elbows on the table. I want to feel relaxed. I, I want to feel something when I go there. And when I walk in the house of God, I want to feel the Holy Ghost move around this place here. Come on, let's give the Lord a good hand. You know, you know, most people that come to our churches, they come in fear. They don't been told about that all. I don't know what you got in that thing there, but don't let them get none of it on you. Because I've done seen too many of them go bunkers when, well, when they get it, they'll get it on them. And so that they're coming in church, they're looking for that bottle of oil. They're terrified. And 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 uh, for God's sake, don't get down that altar because some of them got something in their hand. They start rubbing you on the back. You you you're just in trouble, you know. If we did have something in our hands, it, it, it would be, be mighty nice, but it, it, it don't work that way. And a lot of people come, and, and they're, they're nervous. And Well, they've got a right to be because they're sinners, and they know that uh, we're born-again people. But th they've heard a lot of things, and, and they don't understand a lot of things. And, and oh, God, if, if we could just be friendly and, 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 and have an atmosphere, worship God. Don't, don't try to hold back at all, but worship God. Magnify God and, and do something. Hallelujah. Put a grin on your face and walk by there and shake their hand and say, hey, it's good to have you here. Hey, they'll get caught up in it after a while. They'll begin to worship God. Why? Because somebody said, come to my house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In this same revival, uh, a lady invited a couple out. They had lived there in that town. Had never been to an apostolic church. First night, oh, he got all caught up in it, clapped his hands, but they didn't do that in his church where he come from. His wife tried to nudge him with her elbow and make him settle down, but he said, sweetheart, this is exciting. I'm, I like this. And then when the offering pan passed, he put a $100 bill in there. I really like that. Amen. And, and, uh, and, and then, then, I, then I fell in love with him when he come up after church at night. And he handed that preacher $50 and said, go buy that preacher the biggest steak you can buy. I, I told that pastor, I said, my God, we don't need to turn loose this fellow right quick. Like, he, he's that liberal with, uh, with that money. He come back the next night, put another hundred dollars in it. Man, he grabbed his hand. All of a sudden, he went, "Woo!" Man, his wife like to fainted. You know, she'd never heard him do nothing like that. And, and, and he was just all caught up in it. Man, the place was exploding. We had fifty-three people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that revival. I went there for five nights, stayed five weeks. I don't know whether I could put up with you that long. I'm going to tell you what, when we get excited about the house, 
It ain't the length of the revival. It's, it's what you can do for God that'll get somebody in here. Hallelujah. The third night, that man come back and put that another $100 bill in there and walked up and gave him another $50 bill. I told the pastor, I said, Pastor, you've got the gold leg here. Latch on to it. My God. But you know what? He had never, he had never, it hadn't dawned on him yet that, uh, that the sermon was being preached. He was just all excited about the worship. I preached every night. But that fourth night, I shot him through the heart with the, with the word of God. I saw a 73-year-old man get up, tears streaming down his cheeks, an artificial hip dragging a leg, and here he come down that aisle. You know what his statement is? He said, where have I been all these years and didn't know nothing about this church? Somebody just went by and knocked on his door and said, come to my house. We have in revival. Let's lift our hands. I love the Lord. My, my. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. You see, Rahab had, had just... Uh, lived in Jericho all of her life. No excitement other than she lived in the red light district. Um, uh, nothing abnormal beyond that. And, and uh, just an everyday routine of a lifestyle with her. But all of a sudden, there was some, there was some events that took place that, that caused her to start thinking that disturbed her. I'm sure that there was possibly several nights there that when she went to bed, she could not sleep for thinking of what she had been hearing. And, and she was trying to unravel it. She couldn't figure it all out. And then to her amazement, uh, when she finds out that the uh, city council and the soldiers of the city are trying to find some spies that are in the city, and to her amazement, at her door appear these men. And, and something moves inside of her to invite them in and put them on the roof and hide them to where the, uh, where the enemy cannot find them, where the soldiers of the city cannot find them. And, and they're hid there and, and the soldiers come by. They search the house. They search all the houses, but they don't find them. And then the Bible says the woman goes up on the housetop where they are and uh, she uncovers them and, and her first words are, Sir, I know the Lord. Now, 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 Rahab didn't know God. She, she only knew a paganistic God that was in a courtyard out there. Some, some, some idol that, that she worshipped that had never spoke to her. That had never done nothing special for her. But something moved on the inside of that woman's bosom that stirred her. She said, I know the Lord hath given you the land. Your God. Come on, Apostolic Church. Have you claimed this city has God given it to you? And she said, Sir, your terror has fallen on us. 
I remember a number of years ago, my, my granddad, I'll refer back to a lot of things in yesteryear, and, and I, I like to talk about it because it's a faith builder. My granddad was having a revival, and, uh, and this is before they had all this uh, modern electronic stuff, you know. Had the big old bull bass, you know what you know what I'm talking about. Just does a just regular electric bass. It was one of these big old tall, you know, boom, 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 doing that kind of. And and there's a quartet up there singing, and this old boy's got this bass, and he's a thumping away on it, and then the boy over on a flat top guitar uh, playing, and and the Holy Ghost just swept over that place. Well, uh, everything started shouting and dancing and magnifying God. And that old boy's got that bass. He, he just turns loose that bass and just starts shouting, and that thing just stood there right by itself. People got up and run out of that place, terrified. They got spooks in there holding that bass up. They went on and told that the bass was even still playing. Well, the bass wasn't playing. But what they didn't know, there was a knot hole there, and he had dropped the peg of that thing down in the knot hole. And it, 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 it terrorized people because that bass stood there by itself. Fifty years later, I knock on a man's door. He's 91 years old. And I tell him who I am. And he said, oh, yeah. He got a high school. Oh, yeah. I remember I went to that church one time. And that's all I wanted. And he went through the whole story and told me about that bass standing up there by itself. He said, preacher, y'all got spooks over in that apostolic church. There's a lot of things told on us. That's not necessarily true. And then there are some things that tell us that are true. Uh, you know, they mostly tell that we all wear tennis shoes. That's not true. But we wear tennis shoes so we can set lap records running around the church, you know. All got Nikes or Converse's on, you know, and doing all that kind of stuff. But, but this woman said, your terror has fallen on us. All of the inhabitants of, of this land, of this city... Are, are, are faint because of you. Sir, we heard. Now, we've never had a God to do nothing like this, but we heard when you got out to the Red Sea, you had no way to get across. You had no boats at all. And your God just pushed the water out of the way. And, and you walked on dry land. We heard about those kings that had all the chariots and the armor and the implements of warfare. You didn't have nothing. But we heard your God literally wiped them out of the way and let you go through. Now, I, I know, I know that there's a lot of things that's been told. And there's a lot of things that have happened. Listen, God has done some miraculous things for the church. And we're going to have to say amen to it. Uh, if it was not for the power of God and what God did in some divine healings uh, and some miraculous miracles, uh, it would never reach the world. Uh, but oh, thank God. Uh, thank God uh, that there things can happen in the church uh, that will reach them out there. And they'll say, yeah, I heard about it. A man came to a service one time. He heard that they could pray for the sick. And he had a big cancer hanging on his ear here. It, just, it was attached right to the lobe of his ear here. And it hung down about like a goose egg. And it, it, it was just a running sore all the time. He had a towel laid across his shoulder. And the thing just dripping corruption. And, and he was all the time bumping it. And it was all the time infected. And somebody told him, that apostolic church down there, God's doing some great things. 
and, and there's a lady been healed of cancer. If you'll go down there, let that preacher pray for you. That thing will fall off of your wheel. He'd never been in no apostolic church. But he'd come in there and he said, I heard that y'all got a God that can heal this thing on the side of my face. I heard that your God can do some miraculous things. I don't know your God all that much, but I'm asking, will you ask your God, will he heal my ear? The preacher took the oil and put a dab of oil on that ear and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I curse that thing from the very roots and I command it to dry up and fall off. Well, nothing ever happened. You know, there were people left there, well, it ain't going to happen to him, you know. He's an unbeliever, and that just ain't going to happen that way. But the next morning, he got up, walked in the bathroom, reached over to catch a little water in his hand, wash his mouth out, and then splash his face like that. And his thumb hit that thing, and when he did, it fell off in his hand. Snow White right here but that thing fell off in his hand that whole family prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost somebody somebody just said just come over to my house <laughs> come on I'm trying to excite somebody around here a little bit if we'll get Hutchinson uh, Apostolic Church stirred up just a little bit uh, and tell them the table is spread uh, oh come and dine uh, the table's got everything on it uh, if you'll just believe God God will perform a miracle in your life come on let's give the Lord a good hand Sir, we heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea. You had a mountain here and a mountain there. You had any behind you. No way to get across. You had nobody you could call on to, to get you across there. And your God just parted the waters and let you walk across. And she said, Sir, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage. Now the Bible doesn't say, but I'm sure she probably... A little bit further said, you see those men running around the walls of that chair, and those chariots up there? They're trying to put on a front. They're trying to bluff you, but they're terrified, sir. They know the day is coming. They don't heard what, what your God did to Sion and all. They don't heard what God did to Pharaoh. They don't heard about the water at the Red Sea, and they're terrified. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts didn't mount. I took the oil one night, one day, and went out. And poured a solid stream down that sign out there. In front of my church. I was pastoring in Bluffton, Mississippi at this time. Pastored 11 years there. In fact, I started a home mission church. I started with uh, me and a wife and four kids. God saw me, saw me through that. And I, I built a, a, a very beautiful church until my wife passed away. And then I, I resigned and left and moved on. But I, I poured oil down that thing and I backed off from it. I said, God... Let this sign speak to somebody. I can't find everybody. But God, you can let somebody come by here that it will influence them some way or another and it'll bring about a revival. Now, I started my church with me and my wife and four kids. And uh, the first Sunday, the, the first Sunday, I had 22. I got out and knocked doors. I passed out tracks and everything. The sixth Sunday, I had 79 in Sunday school. 
I, at, the first, at, the, at the end of the first year, I've topped 157 in Sunday school. And, and I, I, I'm a go-getter. I'm not here just for, for relaxing. I, I'm not just here to have a party. I'm not here to run up down the street. But I, I'm here to have a revival. I, I'm here to, to, to reach souls. I, I'm here to believe God that God's going to do something. I, I, I'm out here. It's in my heart. I'm a revivalist from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I know one day I may pastor again, but there's something that's got a hold of me that stirs me about souls. When I pulled up out here and got inside of my trailer, I said, Oh, God, I don't know what all you're going to do, but God, do something. Do something, God. It don't have to be me, God. You can do it, God. I poured that all across that sign. I backed up and said, God, let this sign talk to somebody. We started a prayer meeting. We should start reviving. We started a prayer meeting. We called their prayer. And all of a sudden, them double doors first opened. And there stood a woman, a pair of blue jeans and a tank top. And she said, what are y'all doing? There's a lady about... And I, said, I, I just passed by. I said, I ain't never seen that sign before out there before in my life. But I just happened to glance over, and there was a voice spoke to me and said, Come in and speak. I went down the road, and, and the more I got thinking about it, I, I said, That sign said something to me. And she said, Ma'am, I come back. And that sign spoke again and says, Come in and see. Come in the house. That woman burst through them doors. That woman got up that was praying there, sister, and brought her down to where we was. And my wife was. And we started talking to her, and it wasn't just a few months before we started praying with her. And I anointed her with oil, and she hit the floor like a, like a sack of potatoes. I'm just, whop, she hit the floor. When she come to, she was terrified. She don't, she don't remember falling down there. But there she is laying on the floor looking at the ceiling. And she starts screaming and crying. I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. And then in one change of a voice, she starts saying, Please, preacher, I need help. My family's coming apart. My family's being tore up. I don't have God. I don't know God, but I need God. And I laid my hands on her again, and I rebuked that spirit that was tormenting her. And my friend, God give her the baptism of the Holy Ghost laying flat of her back right there. And that's when the fun started. I want you to listen to this. <laughs> she had an identical twin that lived in Mobile, Alabama. She gets on the phone, calls her sister. Now her sister's, you know, really uptownish style, style type person. But they are identical twins. One's living in Bluxy, one's living in Mobile. She calls, she said, sis, you got to come over here. I have found it. You know, you know, uh, some, some time ago, the Baptists come out with bumper stickers everywhere. We found it, or I found it. No, they didn't find it. They just thought they found it, but uh, they, they tried to say they found it. But she told her sister, said, said, I found something. You need to get over here. So what is it? Said, I found an apostolic church, a united Pentecostal church. What? Her twin then told her, said, sis, you ain't going to believe this. I was in church Sunday. Our pastor asked us, last Sunday it was, and I hadn't called you because I'm still trying to sort all this out. Last Sunday, our pastor appointed 12 women in church, and I was one of them. 
and told them to go to a different church and come back with a report. Write out a report and come back and give us a report on what you've seen and what you heard. She said, sis, you know where I went? I went to a United Pentecostal church. This is this. I don't know whether I'll tell you this or not. Them people are crazy. She said, "Well, it must be the same thing that we got over here." I said, "Come on over here." I said, "You, you got to see this." Well, when I found out that she was coming, I took that all. I went back there and I took, just got my hands just saturated, and I, and I just took them door handles and then ball and I just worked them over good, just greased them good. I anointed the porch. I anointed the bathroom doors, the water fountain. I anointed every pew. I anointed the drums, the organ, the pulpit, the, the piano, the guitar, the bass guitar. I anointed everything. I said, God, if it done it one time, let it talk again. Shandala <laughs> Bahaya. Oh, my friend. <laughs> when they come up on the porch, and both of them grabbed a hold of the door about the same time. Now that one from Mobile, she looked like a raccoon. She was so painted up so pretty, you know, as the world goes. Hey, man, she had it all over, you know. Just her hair when she grabbed a hold of that door, she bust out crying. She let go of that door. And her sister said, what's the matter? Man, big old tears done run down, and, and Maybelline done got a black score, course just coming right down through here on her face. They rush her into the bathroom right quick trying to get her face all fixed up and she's just a squall. She said, I ain't never cried in church. What's the matter with me? I... And, and, her, and her sister said, I know what it is. You just come on with me. <laughs> <laughs> she brought that girl. There come two of them down that aisle looking just alike almost except in different dresses or the way they dress being moved away from one another. She said, come right on down here. It happened right about long here. And there I stood with a bottle of oil. And she says, Preacher, this is my sister. Pray for her like you prayed for me the other night. <laughs> when I laid hands on her, she hit the floor. When she come to, she come to speaking in other tongues. God give her the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know what it was? Somebody just said, come to my house. Come to my house. <laughs> come on to my house. Well, that, hey, that ain't the end of the story. They brought their little old blue-haired mama the next week. Oh, Harold died pretty blue and made up. Oh, she was a little doll. Particular thing. Here she comes in, just, you know, just 77 years old, just barely good walk, you know. And when she walked in the door, she started crying. They said, Mama, come on. We ain't even going to take the bathroom. We know what's wrong right now. And right up the aisle, they come with her. I laid hands on her, and God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hey, when that thing got through, there were 17 members of that one family had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, just come to my house. Come on, Hutchinson. Let's invite somebody to our house. If we'll get excited about the dinner table, about the Word of God, it'll affect us. Let's stand and worship him. Let's stand and worship the Lord. Hallelujah.
All right, sit down just for a few more minutes. I got about four and a half minutes to nine o'clock now. I ain't gonna promise you, but I'll try to cut it off, okay? <laughs> and you're talking about excitement. It created some excitement in my church. On Sunday morning, just, oh, I don't know, two or three weeks after that, oh, I guess maybe, maybe a little longer than that, uh, we had bus ministry going, and I was taking my radio program, had, had made up a tape, taking my radio program to the broadcast, and then I was going to make me loop around and pick up my kids. Uh, it was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and I was going across the Causeway Bridge there in Biloxi. Here's, here stands this man, his wife, and five kids with Zebco rods on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock on the bridge fishing with five kids lined up beside him. I shot past him, and the Holy Ghost said, why don't you go back there and shame that man? I said, Lord, it might punch my headlights out if I do that. I was going to say, well, I'll take care of that. You just go back there and shame him. I turned that 48 passenger bus around, come right back up on that causeway, pull right up there to him, just stop right in front of him, looking through him at that window. He turned around and looked at me. I got out of that bus and I walked up to him. I, I ain't never had such boldness in all my life. I said, sir, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And put my finger right there just like that. Kind of took back at me, you know. I said, you ought to be ashamed. Here it is Sunday morning. And you got five beautiful children standing here with rotten reels in the hand when you ought to be at the house getting them ready and getting them to church. Boy, he glared back. And I saw something come over him. The old tears started trickling down. Bust out sobbing. He said, Sir, really somebody ought to quit me for this. You know what I saw the next Sunday? A man and his wife and five kids come to Sunday school. You know what else I saw? In just two or three more services, I saw three of them girls receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Sunday school. Shandala Bahakaya. Come on, church. Come on. It's time we just quit sitting on these pews and playing church. We need to get excited about what we got. You know, it's just like a kid, he gets a new toy, he's all excited. He's he just he just speechless and he just tears a paper off of it and he just don't know how to behave himself. I believe we ought to be just that excited about our church. Well, brother pastor, you just don't understand who we got. Brother Evangelist, you just don't understand. We could get us a younger looking fellow beside this pot belly when we got sitting over here, we might do something. Oh, I know, I know what kind of spirits float around. I've, hey, I've, I've worked both sides of the fence. We get somebody to be kind of a little mellow yellow, you know, and we got too much of that going on now. We need somebody that's not ashamed to stand in the pulpit and say, hey, I'm an apple stock. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> With the evidence of speaking in other tongues. <laughs> 
not just a confirmation, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that something happened on the inside of me and it cleaned me up in here and it got on the outside of me. Let's give the Lord a good hand. Then she said, Sir, now therefore I pray that you swear unto me by the Lord, since I've showed you kindness, that you'll show kindness unto my father's house. Notice she was not any concerned about herself at all. If you'll just save my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters, deliver our lives from death, we'll be, be indebted to you. And then the men told her, Ma'am, we want you to know because you've been kind, because you saved us from death, we will be kind to you when we come back. But said, understand, when we come back, make sure that little rope that you let us down by is hanging in your window. See, now, I, I could take off on a tangent right there. That, that scarlet thread, that scarlet rope, simply hooked her into the bloodline. You can get in the Bible and find it. She goes right down through the lineage line. A, a type and shadow of, of the blood. And it, it hooked her in by, by her obedience. Amen. All right. Hang that rope out your window. But when we come back, don't be over at your daddy's house. Don't be at your brother's house or your sister's house. You make sure your daddy, your mama, your brothers, your sisters, and whatever they got is at your house. Shanda <laughs> Now, I, I'm sure, what's the county? Is, is, are there a courthouse here in this, this county? Reno, Reno County? All right, you've you got, you got a courthouse here that, that uh, houses uh, all of the type records. Every piece of land that's ever been sold, uh, swapped, or or bartered or stolen or whatever they got a record of it in that courthouse up there it, it, it's vital to this community here because it, it, it houses all the records every marriage that was uh, ever uh, put together uh, two people joining together they got a record of it there every person that was born in this county they got a record of it up there every divorce they got a record of it up there now all the important vital things of our community is is in that courthouse up there and it's vital the courthouse is. You've got a hospital up there that you've got men and women that have dedicated themselves for one purpose. When, when we as injured, uh, diseased, sick, whatever's wrong with us, we go in that hospital, they're, they're for one reason at that house, to see that you get better. They administer drugs or whatever, uh, rehabilitation, uh, uh, whatever they got to do, they do it with utmost care. It's vital to our community. You've got the White House that, that Bush is setting in with the phones. He's hooked up with the world. And he has to be because of the situation that's taking place right now in Iraq. We're, we're, right, on the, we're right on the edge of a powder keg again. It just don't look good at all. And, and, and the White House is vital. It, it's very vital for, for our world government. It has to be there. they got a lot, of, a lot of houses here in this town that are a lot lesser of importance and and, uh, and something like the steakhouse you know most of us, we probably know where we're going to go on Sunday we know what steakhouse we headed to or or uh, Pizza Hut or uh, 
McDonald's or wherever, you know, them houses, they're less of importance, but then on Sunday they're real important to some of them. We got our houses that, uh, that uh, are our castles, and we deem them very important, but there's no house in this whole county, this city, that's as important as this house. Now, I, I don't know, you, you, you may, there may be some more Pentecostals around through, I don't know, I ain't asked him, and I don't know, but I'm talking about you and this house. You say, well, now, Brother Bourne, my daddy lives in Timbuktu. Now, now I understand that. If, if your kinfolks ain't around here, but I guarantee you half of this congregation has got kinfolks living in this town here. Hello? Don't, don't, don't climb up on me now. And when the Lord comes back, Darling, you better make sure they're in your house. Now, now, God ain't coming to Walmart where we all gather up and look for the blue light sales. Huh? Now, he ain't going to come down to the pizza hut and we all get down there and, and all eating pizza and then having a good time together. Huh? Well, Brother Bourne, I don't believe he's going to come after, after just this church here coming after a church that has his name. It will not necessarily be just this building that he's looking at, but the church really involves us what you got right in that heart. That's what makes up this church. It ain't the building that's the church. I'm looking at the church. Come on now. Come on. Come to my house. Shandalabahakaya. <laughs> Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, Sheila Bahakata Mahasaya. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's stand. Now therefore, swear unto me by the Lord, since I've showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. 29 Sunday, he's got the services scheduled. I don't even know. I haven't even uh, talked to him. I just stayed him down in the prayer room. But uh, I, I urge you to, to bring somebody. Let, let's get excited. Church, I, I'm going to tell you, God can do some great things on us. He can do some great things. If we'll get excited about what the Lord can do to individuals. There's men and women. I stood out there in that parking lot this evening and watched teenager after teenager after teenager gather up out there in that, that lot over there walking past. There's a high school right over there. I guess that's what that is right over there. And teenagers galore. Oh, my friend. Adults passing by, passing by that don't know God that's going to a devil's hell. Somehow another, somehow another, let this church, let this church get their eyes open. Too many times as Lanny Wolf sang a song, my house is full but the fields are empty. Yet we, we look at it in another, another sense of word. We, we've got so comfortable in our houses until we're not looking at the fields. We've taken a laid back position, oh well, Brother Preacher, I've, I've had the Holy Ghost 30 years, so I ain't got nothing to worry about. My friend, you're living in one of the most dangerous times you'd ever live in your life. 
because the spirit of apostasy has, has, has reached out and touching everybody. Jesus said if he didn't shorten his coming for the elect's sake, there'd be nobody saved. And they're, they're falling like flies off, off of dead cows. There's so many people. This It's just shocking. One of my preacher friends said that I thought would have never, 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 never done anything. Bit the dust the other. Shocked me. Just never dreamed this would ever happen. I'm on the road by myself a lot. I pray God. Please keep your hand on me. I got too much of a heritage. I got two granddads, pioneer preachers. My granddad on my mother's side built five churches in the 30s and early 40s. My daddy's dad, my grandpa on my daddy's side, built three churches, evangelized, pastored, traveled all over the country preaching revival stood for this message and here I am third generation Pentecost and then I got kids it's fourth generation and now I've got grandchildren it's the fifth generation oh God let this message always be real in my heart never let it die but brother elder I've run up on so many people that the message just died it's died most generally most generally in my lifespan, the third generation of people that I've been raised up with all of my life, as I knew all my life, have done with the way of the world. Someone said the other day, they read somewhere that the church in the last two years has lost 85% of its young people. Is there something wrong with the church? No, nothing wrong with the church. It's just there's a spirit. And, and then really I could turn right around and say, yeah, the church is not praying like it should. Thank God for these prayer meetings that was going on down here. But oh, we, we, we need it. We need to bombard heaven. Somehow or another, let's break the binding force of this city. And tell that devil that may, may try to bind them doors to keep people from coming in. I, I rebuke that devourer that would want to stop that. I'll walk up and down that sidewalk out there. If I have to, I'll pull all across that road. I'll rebuke the devourer. I want God to do something. Not, not just for me, but I want God to do something for you that'll excite you, that'll get you stirred up. And when we get things stirred up, then you can see the devil start wanting to stick his old ugly head up. And then that's, that's when we start having fun then. Oh, preacher, don't, don't, don't come dragging no devils in here. I'm going to tell you, sometime I think we need to drag some in here and scare some of us. Get, get us on the altar squalling and crying, pleading the blood. Oh, yeah, we, we need to plead the blood. Because I'm going to tell you what, hell is unleashed some demons that we can't even identify. My, my, my granddad and them, the, the devils they had was rotten eggs and tomatoes and burning churches down. But uh, then, then long in the, in, in the 50s, I can remember as a, as a, as a young man, uh, that, that, old, that old Laodicean spirit swept in there and, and, uh, and, and it led a lot of people astray. My granddad had to walk up to the pulpit and tap a preacher on the shoulder and say, 
Go sit down and shut up. You out of the will of God. I call him by name, Rexy Wilcox. I don't know whatever happened to him, but he got off in that, he got off in that ladder splatter stuff. We lost a lot of Pentecostals to the ladder rain stuff. And then, then here come on the latter part of the 60s and 70s and charismatic just whim whammed everybody. Oh! And then come along in 88 and Resnick said, Christ is coming. We had United Pentecostal churches that man just <laughs> went hog wild over that false prophet. I don't know what eternity will head up next. And I want to stand and hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's lift our hands and pray. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've, I've, I've been buffeted by every kind of spirit that could be, I guess, called a spirit. My, my baby sister got uh, pulled into a situation. Oh, boy. Told her he loved her. Wanted to marry her, and, and on the level he, he he looked fine, but inside of me I knew something was wrong, I, and I couldn't I couldn't find it. I prayed and I told my sister I said you better be careful, you better be careful. I don't like this. She said, "Oh, Charles said he's just trying to be overprotective. Ain't nothing wrong with him. He's a fine fellow, involved in church and all that." But I dreamed. Two weeks before they got married, that he was gay. I told her, just didn't want to believe it. I called my brother. And I said, Jerome, we got to do something. Dita's fixing to mess her life up. We got to do something. We got to do it quick. 
We got on the phone and started calling. Finally, finally, finally. Punched the right number. Found his pastor. Yeah, had to dismiss him out of church. He homosexual. Joined the Air Force and moved to Biloxi. Oh, he come on strong. Sang. I even had him bus captain. Just he had it so hid. Just I just I, I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it. And then I dreamed that. And so then when we got our sister and told her what we found out, my sister got in her car and drove a thousand miles to get away from him. Of course, here he comes to the church. Don't give me a whipping. Don't jump on me and do all kind of things. And I, I rose up against him and I said, no, you'll never do that. I don't think you're man enough to do that. And I dismissed him and told him not to come back. Got some people upset. You know, you're supposed to have an open-door policy. And, but uh, he left when he saw it was all over with. But you know what? You know what he left? He left a demon sitting right there. He left a demon sitting right here. My altar's at my church. Every time I come to the pulpit, the Lord would let my eyes open, and I could see them demons sitting there. And for nine, ten months, I didn't, I didn't nobody get the Holy Ghost. I was buffeted by them, by them spirits. I was inviting everybody I could. I'd rebuke them, and they seemed like they'd go, but they'd come right back. There'll be all kind of spirits that'll try to detain you, try to sidetrack you, try to get your mind floating another direction, rather than to get you to hear the word of the Lord. Now, now, to make a long story short, I got victory. I went on a fast. And I rebuked them things. But during that time, a boy come in with, with eight other boys with him. Just them spirits trying to see if they could destroy that church. But I'm going to tell you what. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Whether it's a homosexual demon, whether it's uh, a whoremonger demon, whether it's uh, a lustful demon, whether it's... Uh, uh, addictive demon, whatever it is, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And I feel that power in this church. I feel some power around here. I feel like God's going to do something. I said, I feel like God's going to do something around here between now and the weekend. Let's love Him one more time. Whoa.